I entered the world of business journalism and business in general a bit over a year ago. And maybe it's because I'm only now in this sphere or because I'm a recent graduate and at that age or I don't know what, but everyone around me wants to do an MBA or has done an MBA and goes on about how it changed their life and the way they work and you know you've heard it. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably also been pushed to drink the MBA Kool-Aid. But over the last few months, I've noticed a buzz on Twitter. People raving about something that's like an MBA, but shorter, cheaper and much more valuable, according to them. And so I got on a call with one of those people. This is Ankit Ruparel Desai. I spoke to Ankit on a rainy afternoon in Bangalore with the rain pouring down on my side and the ubiquitous construction noise on his side. Ankit is the head of communication at a fintech startup called Wintwealth. He said this is pretty close to what he imagines his dream job would be, but it took a while for him to get here. His educational background, like many in the Indian startup ecosystem, started with an engineering degree. And after college, he took a traditional placement path to find his first job. So I got placed in Larsen and Tobro, L&D, and the job was around IT services. I stayed there for a couple of years. After a year, maybe after two months, I knew that I was not going to do much time here. But I wanted to figure out what can be done next. So I was uh, exploring avenues. I wanted to give a CFA because I had a minor in finance. I thought, okay, I can give a chartered financial analyst exam and maybe get an analyst role. Ankit saw a certification in that as a way out of the electrical engineering path he was in. But as time would have it, COVID hit and my exam got postponed a couple of times. I haven't given the exam yet. The pandemic postponed everything and Ankit was left desperate and hanging. But while all of this chaos was ensuing in his life, there was someone he was in touch with over Twitter who was building an alternative business education program. That was Raj Kunkolienkar, one of the co-founders of Stoa School, India's best alternative to the traditional MBA. And that's not me making a value judgment, by the way. I'm just reading out their Twitter bio. When Raj... Before launching it for the entire public, he asked me in the DMs that, okay, this is something that I'm building. This is a preliminary form that I've prepared. What are your thoughts about it? I said, this looks great. This is exactly what I want. I didn't want to pursue MBA because I didn't want to go through the examination hurdle again. And the story goes that Ankit eventually joined the first cohort of Stoa's Alt-MBA, a six-month course. And when he graduated, he graduated with a job working with the co-founders of Wintwealth, the fintech startup, a job he scored because of the networking and connections that he formed in the Stoa community. People do reach out that, okay, what do you think about Stoa? I tell them I'm the best case scenario out of Stoa. I had no expectations whatsoever. I got the community that I hoped for. And I got the curriculum which was helping me to nurture or be prepared for what I would be doing here at Wintwealth. There are thousands, if not tens of thousands of people in India who feel the need for a business education just like Ankit has had. Something that lies between the 20 lakh rupees MBA and a Udemy course that costs 2000 rupees. 
This alt MBA model by Stoa is very attractive to many young adults in India. It almost sounds like magic. You don't have to gruel and sit for an entrance exam taken by lakhs of people in the country. You pay 10% the price of a traditional MBA, get the business education, make connections and join a community and get the startup job of your dreams. A traditional MBA degree, say from an IIM or ISP or any of the reputed MBA colleges in India, have maybe missed a boat or two when it comes to new business technologies or environment. After all, it's not easy to tweak legacy programs. Stoa is the young disruptor to the decades-old MBA system in India. But is it really ready to disrupt and innovate between the cracks of the old system? Or is it just riding on the trending concept in the sea of online cohort-based courses popping up in India? More importantly, is Stoa School a true alternative to the MBA or just a stopgap option? fueled by a huge interest in online learning. Welcome to Unofficial Sources, a business podcast by The Ken. I'm Anushka Chikara. And I'm Alana Banerjee. And we're your hosts. This episode, we're taking a look at the business of the Stoa Alt MBA. It's reimagining the traditional MBA with its cheaper, faster, more relevant offering for the edtech age. But it's still unclear what its ultimate purpose is. Learning, salary hikes, placements, or just hype? We explore STOA itself, talk to its fellows who are currently in the program and who have graduated, and then speak to the man himself, co-founder Raj Kunkolienkar, and with him we get to the bottom of these questions. Stay tuned. So this episode is based on a story recently written by Olena. It's titled Stoa School's Open Challenge to the IIM MBA. So Stoa School is born out of this gap in business education in India. You have the IIMs and the ISB and then tier two and three management colleges that are all expensive, inaccessible to most and often have coursework that doesn't match the nature of the startup environment hustle and bustle. And this is why Stoa comes in. So, Olena, you wrote this story, right? Did I get that description of where Stoa comes in and what they're doing, right? So, that's exactly right, Anushka. I think Stoa School and others like it have found a nice little niche in the larger, expansive world of business education in India. So, Stoa isn't a very old school. In fact, it was launched in 2020 by these four guys, Aditya Kulkarni, Raj Kunolinkar, Manoj Kambadur and Sharmad Kuvelkar. Quite a mouthful of names when set together. It's a six-month course. It's done exclusively over the weekends as opposed to the daily grind of a two-year-long MBA. And it's actually capitalizing on this buzzy new concept of CBCs or cohort-based courses. Right. And I want to understand, you know, just broadly how STOA is different from an NBA. And let's start with 
talking about the model itself, right? CBC or cohort-based course, as you said. Can you tell us what exactly that is? So CBCs or cohort-based courses have sort of taken the world of new age learning, especially online learning by a storm. You have a lot of popular CBCs coming out of the US, like Reforge or Alt MBA. And in fact, those are courses that Stoa sort of modeled on. And the fundamental thing about the CBC is that it's community-based learning. So you're Mm. learning a lot from the cohort that you're part of, which is why it's important that you're part of, you know, a cohort that's well-connected, that's also sort of well-read and well-versed in the work that they do. So the thing with cohort-based learning is also that it's very different from the traditional format of MBA learning. There's no lecturer or facilitator standing in front of a class lecturing a class of hundreds. Mm. It's very dynamic. It's malleable. It's, it's online. And if we were to take Stoa's example itself, right, the mode of learning is also different. You have a lot of practitioners coming in. So you have a lot of prominent names like Richakar from Zimabe or, mm. you know, Ankur Variku coming in, taking guest lectures lectures and presenting these cohorts with real life case studies that, you know, these cohorts can then break into smaller groups and solve. So it's very practical. It's very hands-on. And I think most importantly, it's very dependent on the peer that you're learning with. And there seem to be a lot of people who gravitate towards this concept and the promises it makes. So I reached out to some of them on Twitter and because Stoa and their founders and fellows are super active on the platform, my replies were bombarded with people eager to speak to me about their experience with Stoa cohorts. Like Ashutosh, a chartered accountant who is currently in the fourth ongoing cohort of Stoa and actually got turned on to the idea because of the Twitter buzz. So Raj's Twitter game is very, very strong is what I say. So I've been following Stoa since maybe C3. I've been reading his Twitter post because that got me very interested into what he's doing. And could you elaborate a bit on what you found so interesting? So uh, what I found very interesting is his approach or Stoa's approach to education in such a way, like the cohort-based courses, which are kind of the rage right now, like how they want to address or bridge the so-called gap in knowledge that they've seen. So what can get anyone into a good startup position? Because that has been one of their main things, right? They want to get people into high paying startup jobs because that is something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to move out of this CA background, CA job circle and move into something more exciting in my head at least. That's what appealed to me about Stoa the most. So there's this desire to move out of one's existing career or education circles to a startup environment, right? It's something I heard about a lot in my discussion with Stoa fellows. Or on the other hand, even for people who have made the transition into the startup sphere, there's a need to get a foundation of a business education. Like Aditi a 20-something-year-old with no background in business education who started her career with a job at a startup. She's requested to remain anonymous, so we have changed her name and morphed her voice for the same. Uh, so, like everyone else, I had no idea what to do with my life after college. So I thought, might as well just take up some job and let's figure this shit out. And I found myself a really random job at a really random small startup. So, the first job that I had ever 
I because it was a startup, right? So obviously, like I was working directly with the CXOs and the CEO, COO there also, who was my manager. Um, was both of us like got really close, and he became sort of like a mentor to me. And he was an MBA himself, and he kept emphasizing that you know I see something in you, so you should do an MBA. Okay, and so for you was doing the Stoa program kind of synonymous with doing an MBA? Um, never in my head, to be honest. Um, because when I looked at a traditional MBA, um, firstly, I always only considered the top tier one colleges because that's the only place where I saw any merit in an MBA anyway. In my head, I thought I will go to Stoa to actually learn because that's how they position themselves, that you will actually learn the practical concepts. And of, like everyone else, I will go to a traditional MBA for the alumni network, for the salary hike, for the signaling and the tag, etc., etc. It was interesting to hear this from Aditi because learning and growing are words I've been seeing everywhere since I started researching Stoa. Let's take a look at their website itself, right? You go to stoaschool.com and the first thing you're blasted with is large text saying 10x your confidence in six months. There's other messaging like learn from top founders, investors and startup business leaders. But when it comes to more tangible outcomes, things get a little blurry. Like anyone looking for a traditional MBA or a business education looks for things like job placement, salary hikes, and alumni network. And don't get me wrong, there is messaging of that on the website. A 72% average salary increase, opportunities in companies like Smallcase, Gojek, Swiggy. But really, I'm not getting a sense of how all this exists as part of the system of Stoa. So I went back to Alina to learn more. This Stoa... MBA model or the alt MBA model here is so catchy, right? It's two years condensed to six months. It's 40 lakhs down to two lakhs as fee. And along the way, you get real hardcore experience. I mean, you become part of a tight knit community that's always going to have your back. And when you graduate, you get placed at a zingy new startup, which is the flavor of the season. So what could be better? Yeah, but... The sense I'm getting is that this is all too good to be true, right? Maybe, maybe. Yes, it it admittedly does sound like, you know, MBA alchemy. Um, Here's the thing. When I spoke to the founder, Raj Kunolinkar, he said that the business of business education is broken. And that's Mm. completely fair. But I think to fix it or to address the gaps, we need a clear approach to what exactly we're addressing, right? And what outcomes we need to be focusing on or Stoa needs to be focusing on. Right. And we're actually going to talk to Raj a little bit later in this episode and hit him with these hard questions, so to say. (laughs) But I think, you know, before we even get to that, I kind of want to understand the Stoa system itself. And the first thing I want to look at is the curriculum itself. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me how is the course of Stoa different from what's there in a traditional MBA? I think one of the most interesting things that struck me about 
the way that they structure their curriculum is that they go with the principle of cutting the clutter. So things that a fresh hire at a startup wouldn't essentially need to know, like quantitative mathematics, it's cut out and that way Stoa's curriculum instead is more focused on general business concepts. Uh, mm. It's lean and it focuses on things like marketing and product management. And generally, these are areas where fresh Stoa graduates are going to get their placements. As Aditi mentioned earlier, there's this big expectation of actually learning here at Stoa. One of the key things was definitely that they advertised all these big shot young entrepreneurs on their, as part of their curriculum. So that was one. And second, even beyond that, their entire messaging was about learning and how they're going to teach with practical uh, examples, practical case studies. And I'm going to learn why are these practical experiences as opposed to just sitting in a classroom and uh, going through theoretical case studies. So as somebody who has not had like a business education, which by the way, I haven't either. So that's why I might ask a lot of questions. What did you feel like uh, after your first weekend? The first weekend of classes. Honestly, a little underwhelming. Because I wasn't someone who had had business education, but I was someone who had worked in a very, very small startup for over a year. But even then, I think for me, it felt like what I said, right, about their entire messaging. So how they were so emphatic about learning from practical experiences and learning by doing instead of just reading and listening in a classroom. When I attended the first weekend of classes, uh, which were just... The opposite of what had been promised, which was just us reading a case study and then talking about it in class. So I couldn't quite pinpoint on what it is that I'm actually learning. I was expecting to see very clear benefits in terms of how I think about problems, how I think about the things that I'm doing at my job. Uh, To have very different frameworks to think about these things after STOA, which didn't happen for me. Other than the learning aspect of the STOA course, the big thing there is the community. And almost everyone I spoke to has had great experiences there. So when I got in, the power of the community what stood out for me too, right? Just in my C4, the variety of people and the diversity of people is really, really high. You can see someone who is at a director level in a huge company, someone who is just fresh out of college as a side gig. So there was lots of diversity and community and the learning has been immense. Stoa, like this, I have to say, is just a bunch of nods coming together. And that's great because the last six months of my life have been pretty entertaining. I've managed to get some great friends and obviously a community that I can leverage for anything that I need. So communities, if if you expect that out of Stoa, it's not a bad thing to join for. Speaking of community, um, Olin, I want to clarify something with you that I'm not quite getting. So an important part of going to a well-established business school is the people and the networking, right? Like I can't even count how many men have told me I would go to Harvard, not because of the course, but because of the connections I'd make there. So how does a similar community here at Stoa give that kind of value or clout that a person who's doing an MBA kind of expects. Right. So I think one of the 
things that we've all learned from being in isolation for almost two years is how important it is to have a good, strong community around you that you fit into. I mean, all of us have felt the pang of isolation, you know, over these last two years. So obviously being part of a community is really meaningful. And in terms of a business education, like you mentioned, Harvard, right? The alumni network is really strong. People often get jobs through it. You know, there's a general sense of belongingness when you enter into a room uh, full of Harvard alumni, if you have gone to that school. But in terms of a business education, a community is really great as long as it does something for you, right? As long as it's reaping some kind of benefit for you. I don't think community for the sake of community is the takeaway from a business school education. Right. And here's what I'm wondering. Uh, that does seem to be a similar case at Stoa, right? Like Ankit, the first person who I spoke to at the top of this episode. So he was telling me how he kind of went into the Stoa course with very few expectations, but he ended up being referred by one of the co-founders to a job at Wintwealth. And now he works in the founder's office, as they call it. And this sort of ended up giving him this great opportunity because he was part of the Stoa community. Right. And I think there are many cases within Stoa's ambit to show you that this community works and it works not just to strengthen your knowledge and information, but works to sort of towards getting you a job eventually as well. Now, the thing is, Stoa has belief in their community and it's been sort of happy serendipity so far that jobs have kind of worked out because of the extensive network of founders and startups that they're connected to. Hmm. But I think in the long run, I believe that there needs to be some kind of system, some kind of tangible promise to applicants if the company really wants to define its objectives and scale. Stoa has in-house career services, which helps fellows define their career goals and connects them to startups. But only 30 out of its 100 graduating fellows so far have taken the help of this career service and actually got placed. So really at this point, it leaves me with one question, although a pretty broad one. What is Stoa? Is it an alternative to a traditional MBA? Is it a finishing school, an upskilling course, a community and networking opportunity, or a funnel into the startup ecosystem? It's a broad and existential question for sure. And so to get the answer to this, I decided to go right to the source. Raj Kunkoli Anchor, the co-founder of Stoa himself. We'll discuss this with him and more right after the break. Hi, Anushka here again. This episode was inspired by a story written by Olena recently titled Stoa School's Open Challenge to the IIM MBA. It's a similar story, but it goes more in depth into Stoa and their course. There are some great data visualizations on the business of business education as a whole and more inputs from Stoa founders and people from traditional business schools that we weren't able to get in on this episode. Now, usually these detailed stories of ours are behind a paywall. That means only paying subscribers get to read them. But just for our listeners, we've set up a nice offer. We've unlocked this story for free just for you. If you'd like to dive deeper into this piece, just click through on the podcast offer link in the description. That's the-ken.com slash podcast offer. 
see you on the other side and thanks for listening so at this point we have an understanding of how stoa came to be its role as a disruptor in business education in india we've spoken to a few fellows about their experiences and got an idea of the business itself from allena but now i want to explore stoa as a system if a one year old stoa wants to disrupt a century old legacy business education what is really the system behind their focus and from that what is the ultimate vision behind being schooled by stoa to get the answers right from the source itself i got in touch with raj kunkoliankar a co-founder of stoa school so raj is a pretty prominent face behind stoa and the twitter buzz around it especially in fact let me read you raj's twitter bio building stoa so that you won't have to feel underconfident in front of mbas follow for shit posts on careers marketing and startups you can tell from talking to raj and a fair bit of stalking him online that the challenge to the traditional mba comes from personal experience he himself isn't an mba so that was pretty much my starter in my call with him so i know you had like some um, conversations with allena as well when she was reporting the story and i don't really want as broad of a conversation as i'd had with her so I, i'll ask you a bit more specific questions i'm wondering uh, i know your background is that you don't have an mba so i'm wondering what is kind of the journey or connection between the two that despite not having an mba you're on this path now where you're crafting and creating an alternative program i think the interesting part about our founding team is that uh, half of us have an mba right from you know the top institutes i am one one of our co-founders early team at swiggy he has an mba from the us right whereas the other two co-founders including me myself we have been entrepreneurs for a long time now i pretty much stand for uh, people who have not had an access to an mba right and uh, that is the value i bring to the table okay so i'm i'm getting it's more of a balance in the founders team itself uh, that propels you forward and so now with that in mind can you give us an idea of how you put the curriculum together for a program like this so i think uh, in the first version we pretty much uh, talked to a lot of founders uh, then the ecosystem like drew from our own experiences where we struggled to you know hire talent or uh, like figured out from the hires that been made what they sort of lacked in right so it was drawn from there of course it had uh, more of an mba flavor right more theoretical that's what the program was a year year ago when we started off but we've sort of done three major iterations to the curriculum um, over the last year and now we've landed up onto a curriculum where most of the things that we teach right come from like companies that are currently operating out there right so case studies from swiggy from raise uh, from bounce and so on as compared to let's say teaching something from textbooks so in fact i think most of the things that we teach today there is no precedence in traditional textbooks 
Right. And with this specific focus on getting really skilled people into the startup ecosystem, I'm wondering if you could elaborate and give us a better idea of what exactly are the tangible skills that you want to equip your fellows with to be ready to enter that kind of ecosystem. So I think in the startup ecosystem, there's a lot of value given to bias for action. There's a lot of value given, you know, for getting things done, right, by using whatever uh, method you may use. There's a lot of value given to people who are resourceful, right? Like what we try to incorporate in our trainings, right? And now I want to circle back to the um, concept of, you know, like these skilled people being employed at startups. So from what I've gathered, like, you know, on your website or people I've spoken to is that because of the kind of community that Stoa has, placements happen in a very serendipitous way where it's because of the connections or because of referrals and opportunities just pop up. But as an institution and as you guys continue to scale up, I'm wondering, is there a system? or a systematic way in which this happens rather than just a few people stumbling onto it? I think uh, this is where uh, tech sort of will come into play, right? Like, I think a lot of universities, like the top tier universities, especially in India, have sort of failed to capitalize on their alumni base. A lot of jobs do get posted, right? But just because of the volume of people in the community or the information generated, a lot of things get lost. The right things do not surface up to the right people. That is a problem that a lot of alumni networks face and people tune out because there's a lot of noise. And I believe this is fundamentally a tech problem that is worth solving. Uh, If you are to keep your alumni engaged in this entire process, right? Like, so how do you send the right opportunities to the right people? And I see, envision a future wherein you will probably have a, let's say, a STOA app wherein you can indicate as in when you're looking for a job and in what sort of domains or functional areas. And uh, you'll probably get notifications from the network or from a career success team that these are the relevant opportunities that you should probably try out for. Right. So cutting through the noise is uh, definitely an important problem to solve as you scale a community or an institution. And one last question I have, which is, what is the value proposition of a course through Stoa at this point, right? Is it about learning and growing, getting an idea or a basic idea of business education? Is it a funnel into the startup ecosystem? Is it about upskilling? I'm I'm just wondering what is the focus of Stoa in promising people who sign up with it? I think I'd like to answer that with sort of like to deflect that in a way by uh, asking, you know, why do people do an MBA, right? Like it's there's no one solid reason. Of course, who doesn't want to earn more for putting in the same amount of effort, right? Everyone wants to do that. So of course, financial prosperity is definitely a solid outcome. But just like an MBA, it's a bundle, right? You build relationships, you like develop your communication skills and confidence you sharpen your thinking process when it comes to you know business you know what all is going on in different functions and industries and of course you get connected to employers who definitely want to have you on right so it's a bundle it's all of these right there is no one single job to be done 
I think that stands true for an MBA and that definitely stands true for us as well. Okay. And, you know, to me, kind of, I understand the nuances in doing a traditional MBA versus these different courses or upskilling on your own. But I would sort of believe that with a traditional MBA, especially if you're going for you know, a well-reputed um, institution, you have the sort of guarantee of an alumni network of, you know, the clout that comes with the tag along with it, with a salary hike or with placements. So I'm wondering, you know, like if there is, if we're doing apples to apples between store and any valuable traditional MBA, where does the sort of guarantee or security come with doing a store course? I think at one point of time, all of these institutions started off as nothing, right? They've built their repute uh, over time. We would be doing the same, right? The only difference being that we are online. We do not have heavy infrastructure investment, which means we can move much faster. That's We, would, we are a startup in that sense. Okay? We will be moving fast and establishing ourselves as fast as you know our startup friends. And that startup DNA kind of sets us apart from the legacy institutions. We can get the same job done, I'm pretty sure, in a much shorter span of time, right? You have your millennials who uh, have had like a, you know, rather lukewarm college experience at best. And uh, these people are on the lookout for for fresher things, for, for different things, right? So although they'll always always be takers for the traditional way of doing things. What the online world has sort of enabled is, you know, it has enabled all the misfits to sort of band up together. You would otherwise have all these misfits all over the country. Just because things are online, people can now congregate and aggregate together in the online world, right? So I think uh, it's not going to be difficult for us to build that reputation much faster than, let's say, an ISB or an IAM, right? IAMs took almost uh, half a century to get to where they are. ISB did so in almost about a decade, right? One one fifth of the time. There's nothing that stops us in doing the same in one fifth of the time that ISB did it in. And that's it for this episode of Unofficial Sources. To be honest, all this talk is giving me major MBA FOMO or alt MBA FOMO as well. And I'm just like, maybe it's time I get a business education, you know. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. And what really helps our podcast is if you would rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more listeners just like you. You can also always write to us with your feedback. The email ID will be left in the show notes. And well, we'll see you next time, next fortnight on Unofficial Sources by The Kent.